Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where I speak with creative entrepreneurs, artists, and other insanely interesting people to hear their stories, learn about their molding moments, tipping points, and spectacular takeoffs. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember, folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. You know, I, I love this story. I, I feel like there's so much depth uh, and so many lessons here. So, you know, the, the first question I really have for you is uh, around this idea of, of navigating pain over such an extended period of time. I mean, because, you know, when most of us have painful experiences, they're not, you know, they don't seem to last so long. We, we can kind of be consumed by them for a certain period of time, but they eventually dissipate. And I'm really curious um, about one, how we navigate pain and, and uncertainty in our lives, uh, especially given that you've done it over such an expended, extended period of time, especially with something so tragic and still have seemed to come out the other side, uh, you know, for lack of something less cliche with a smile on your face. <laughs> Yeah, I like this, you know, like um, sometimes in, the, in some of the writing that I've done, I've said, you know, that I, uh, I've i come out surprisingly sane <laughs> considering how uh, how much there's been. And, um, you know, and, and there have been other things, too. And I, and I uh, you know, my husband was in a head-on collision back when, um, when well before Jacob was born. Um, he's had health issues, um, three hip replacements, um, um you know, financial stuff, um, you know, friend relationship stuff, it it all goes in the, it's, it's just part of being human. And, um, and even with all those things that, that go on and have gone on in my life and go on in everyone's life, there's always a point of being able to embrace joy if you let it. Um, I think we get very caught up in our mindset that, we are not um, having as enjoyable a life as someone else. Um, and I know I have felt this way, especially um, through social media. Like I'll go on Facebook and I'll see everybody posting about, um, you know, I've been on this trip. Oh, I'm in Thailand. I'm in um, Costa Rica, wine with friends, pictures of food. And, you know, like there's just this feeling sometimes like we're not living as joyful a life as someone else and I think that um, on moments like that I I have to turn off all of that and I just stop where I am and literally like I can be in a mall I can be um, walking and I just stop and look around me and and look at the the beautiful blueness of the sky the fresh air I look at people and I and I see looks on their faces uh, dogs walking by, kids. I just stop. Like, 
then look around and you'll see it. You'll see that there's a presence among us, an energy that flows through us. And um, that's where the joy in life is, is just seeing that there's more to our life experience than um, than what we see in front of, in front of us. There's this energy that's flowing and, and, and you think about, like, sometimes I'll be in a crowd of people, like, especially at the airport or something like that, and uh, I'll just wonder, like, who's who's next? Like, who's going to leave the planet next, which seems kind of morbid, but to me it's not morbid. And and I see a baby, and I think, oh, my gosh, I like, what did they come here to do? You know, like, what's, what's in that package? In fact, recently my, my sister's um, daughter had a baby, my niece had a baby, and I was there at his birth, and, I, and I'm a mother-baby nurse, so I've seen lots of babies being born. And I've always had this sense that, wow, how, what, did, what is in this little package? Like, you know, we all know about DNA structure and all the way our, you know, way our bodies work. But I look at it now as like, what is in this little one's soul plan? What did they come to teach us? Um, who's going to love them the most and learn from them the most? And, um, it makes me live, I feel very, very joyful in living that way. And I wouldn't have this kind of depth, um, perception, you could call it, um, if I hadn't had all these, um, negative experiences, what most people would consider negative experiences. It's a, it's a fullness and a richness that comes, and I've heard it from, with a lot of people who get to this point in their grief experience that, you know, when you come to the other side of it, it's very freeing. And uh, I'm not afraid of dying. I um, have, I'm not afraid of other people I love dying. Um, I wouldn't, I don't want it. I'm not saying, oh, you know, you know, it won't matter to me. It matters greatly, but I just see it as part of the natural process. So one thing about living with it this long is, um, I've gotten good at that. I've gotten good at seeing the positive, joyful moments as precious and valuable and the difficult ones as precious and valuable and uh, embracing them both. So I think that's, um, and I also, you know, it's very helpful uh, to have a, a mantra that just, that you just go to when you can't turn your mind off. Like, um, when Jacob was very, very sick, uh, I remember so so many times at Children's Hospital, we had to um, take him to the emergency room over 20 times in that um, first couple of years of treatment. And there were a lot of really tense moments where, you know, we weren't sure he was going to make it. And um, my, the thing, this, there's one scripture that is stuck in my head, even through um, exploring the more new age um, teachings and spiritual teachings, the one scripture that um, really sticks with me is that he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And there were many times and still are where I'm, you know, I, I don't feel like I have a sound mind <laughs> and I feel fearful. And it helps me to say that scripture over and over and over again and calm my mind. And whether it's, um, uh, you know, something from Eckhart Tolle or Marianne Williamson 
or from Jesus in the Bible or the Torah, whatever words or something, a phrase that a friend has said, whatever, or that you create yourself. Um, we, we have to have a lineup of phrases, I believe, to grab onto when our minds start running wild with fear and tension and stress. And um, it's extremely helpful to do that. I, uh, I'm very grateful that my memory is still working well enough to remember, you know, to have those things handy, those memorized words handy. Uh, it's, a, it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you know, one of the things that's really interesting to me is, is, you know, sort of looking at different experiences and comparing them and, and how can somebody suffer from something that is so, if you compare some of the things that we suffer from in comparison to the loss of a child, somebody like you can navigate this and then somebody gets so consumed by something else that is nowhere as near as traumatic by comparison. And I'm really curious to hear, uh, you know, why you think that happens and how we handle that. It's just, it's one of those things that's intrigued me for quite some time as to, you know, why one person can find an experience that is, is nowhere as near as traumatic as what you've experienced so difficult. Yeah. I think, um, so much of the way we navigate life is based on our personality. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like I had said earlier, I have, five, you know, there's five in my family, I have four siblings and each of us have a different personality and I have had four children of my own and each of them had their own personality. And I think that some people are just come into their soul plan with, uh, a personality type that's going to help them experience what they need to experience. And, um, and then when we're young, we take this. We come in with this personality type, and some would say um, past life experiences. Now, I'm not a big advocate of past life experiences. I have no experience with that, and so if that's a helpful thing for someone else, that's great. Um, I personally uh, haven't delved in that direction yet, and um, I may in the future. I don't know, but you know, people can go and have past life regressions, and it helps them understand their personality. Um, I, I kind of don't really want to do that. I feel like I have enough of an understanding of the lifetime I'm in. I don't really want to add more information to my <laughs> to my emotional state, you know. Um, so, but I think that given our personalities, we um, experience different stressful circumstances throughout our life. Whether I mean, our very first stressful experience is being born. And, um, you know, again, I've, I've witnessed birth many times and that screaming baby is, you know, there is, uh, is a beautiful thing that first breath. And we all, you know, in the, in the field of those people who are there in the room are, you know, waiting, uh, to hear that first scream, that first cry of life. And, um, from that point on, and that, you know, you, and from that very beginning, you can really see it in a, in a, in a baby. There's babies that come out very peaceful and docile, a couple of cries and they're starting to suck and on their way. And then there's those babies that just cry for the whole first year. And, you know, so there's, there, and, 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 and anyone who's been, like you said, you had been observing this and other people too, like, what is it about, um, some that, you know, handle, uh, stressful situations or tragic situations better than others. And, um, I, I really think it's, uh, everyone can handle what they've come to experience. And that doesn't mean it's going to be pretty to the observer. Um, and 
but if we look at each other, like um, I have an aunt who has been very, um, you know, more self-absorbed than my mother was. My mother's mother died when she was three years old. Um, so she was raised by a, her father who was an alcoholic and they, she was, they picked cotton in El Paso. Um, they were farmers. And so she, she came into the world with a, a really difficult package, you know? Um, and my mom has been a great mom, just, you know, positive, very sweet and nurturing. Um, my aunt has been, um, very, uh, brittle and more, uh, difficult and, um, more, uh, with a lot more self-pity. And, um, I think it's just a matter of personality. You know, if you, if you uh, are the kind of personality that sees yourself as the center of the universe and, um, that, that somehow the world has dealt you a bad hand and that's the mindset you keep for the rest of your life as part of your personality, then I think you're going to have a harder time handling any, any tragic events. But if you have the kind of personality that says, you know, life is an adventure and um, I'm seeing the glass, you know, as half full and, you know, just have that more optimistic um, mindset, then you're going to see it, that there are benefits in your life experience. You know, and then the other thing is you can practice being an optimist, you know, and you can practice being a pessimist. And um, there's a book called The Optimist Creed that um, has been uh, uh, full of, it's full of spiritually helpful guidance about being optimistic and how it can change your life. Um, fortunately for me, I, I'm just naturally optimistic. So <laughs> I haven't had a problem with um, embracing the more positive aspect of tragic um, experiences. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I, I really am. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting to, to hear you say this, you know, and to think about sort of, it may not always look pretty to the observer. And, and I only, this is basically, you know, something that I've gone through with, with personal experiences and, and learning to handle them and finding in my own life that sometimes it seems like I just overreact to things. Uh, and I, and I feel like you're to me, you know, I think the maybe critical thing that you mentioned there is practice. It, it has to become almost habitual, uh, to the point where we've learned to train these responses. Oh, definitely. And I've seen that in my kids um, and in my parenting is, you know, I have one um, daughter who's much more reactive, uh, verbal, opinionated. Um, and I have another one who's very uh, slow to react, you know, more observant, take it in, analyze it before she responds. And so and I see benefits in both personalities. None, neither one is right or wrong. Um, and each one serves their purpose in their lifetime. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a witness to this as my daughters are now to, you know, 25 and 21. Um, I think we're far too hard on ourselves, uh, when we, um, see aspects of our personality that are like, you're saying, I tend to be, you know, if you tend to be overreactive, it's okay to be overreactive. Um, there's a purpose for that, you know, in every if we all reacted the same to everything, we wouldn't have anything to learn and um, from each other. So I think you you know when you have had experiences that teach you that you know overreacting in certain situa- situations may not be a good thing. What tools are there at your disposal to help you um, change that? And then there's other times in your life where overreacting may have saved someone's life or um, 
your own. And so, you know, it's okay. I, I think that we all need to be more gentle with each other and, um, and with ourselves. I really do. I think kind of self-judgment and um, scrutiny can be uh, a very heavy weight to, to bear in our lifetimes. So, um, you know, it all comes down to love and fear. And if you love yourself, you can love others. If you fear yourself, then you're just going to be afraid of everyone else too. So, and that's, um, uh, it's a, it's a change in mindset. It really is to get to that point. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch, your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then. 
right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, one of the things that you brought up earlier in our conversation, which really kind of intrigued me, was the idea of raising a healthy-minded child even when they're, you know, in these very difficult situations. And I'm really curious, I mean, how do you keep a child's mindset um, in a place that's healthy, you know, when they know they're sick? And even at that age, I'm not even sure they would have the awareness to know that, you know, they're facing death. Right. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, what I've experienced from directly from my own kids is, uh, to become a very good listener to children. If you are so busy instructing them all the time, you're going to miss learning from them. Some of the most priceless gems that we have at our disposal. And, and, you know, again, when a baby is born, I look at it like, Oh, who, who are you here to teach? Will it be your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your cousins? Like, um, and, uh, in, in nursing, you know, we, we do this training where, um, we sit, you know, it's a listening practice where, um, you sit, you pick a partner and, um, the one person does all of you. There's a, you ask a question like what was the most tragic thing that's ever happened to you? And you, that person has to talk for five minutes while the listener does nothing but listen, not even raise an eyebrow. You don't respond with words or anything that gives them a clue that you like what they say or don't like what they say. You just sit there and listen. And, um, it's a really great practice in, in life as well. And I realize we don't do that in daily life. But with children, if you give them the opportunity, especially when they're sick, to say what they really feel without stopping them, it's, you, you will learn so much about um, what's really going on. And for as an example, um, when Jacob was really, really sick. He'd been on, um, chemo for, uh, several months. Um, and he had this one chemotherapy that would make him very irritable and it made it difficult for him to sleep. So he'd have these night fits where he would just cry and cry. And, and, um, and I knew it was partly the medication and partly the stress of what he was going through. And so he was about six years old at the time. And I would just lay in bed with him, um, he was, he didn't want the lights off. You know, he wanted the door closed. He wanted the door open and he would just what could not settle. And so, um, I, I remember one night he was just losing it, you know, just crying and crying. And he said to me, and is this crying fit? He said, I want to be like JD and JD is, uh, Justin. That's what was his nickname. Um, I want to be like JD. He's all light and I'm just half light and half darkness. And I was stunned to hear him say that. And I could have responded with, oh, no, you know, you're not darkness, or what are you talking about? Or, um, 
but I just listened, you know, I just, I had enough awareness by then to just let him talk and, and not change his mind. And, um, and as I've come to study more, you know, spiritual, um, uh, teachings there, and even in my own, you know, coming, going back to my Christian roots of, um, you know, Jesus is the light and that we are light and, let the light shine and light has just like that phrase when he said that kind of, again, it was like an opening where I went, wow, you know, what is he seeing? What is he thinking? What, where did that come from? Cause it wasn't something that I had taught him to think that way. So, um, children, especially when they're sick, I really believe they come in very capable of handling what they have to handle. And, uh, if we don't instill fear in them about dying, that child can die very gracefully and that teenager can die very gracefully. And it isn't, it doesn't mean that they're not emoting what they feel about the experience, but it just means they um, are going to feel it fully and they're able to do that. Uh, and, we really, you know, especially when it comes to life and death and tragedies, we have the opportunity to teach young children to accept the reality that we and all living things die on the planet. Um, and if we can teach them that one concept that it's normal, death is normal. It, it's a naturally occurring experience in our in the cells in our bodies. It's a naturally occurring event in the cells of plants and animals all around us. And if we can diffuse the fear around that one aspect of life, we're giving them a great gift and a solid take on perspective for the rest of their life. And it really works. It does. Um, My kids have a very healthy awareness of life and death, and they don't dwell on it. But they know the difference between um, a car breaking down and how frustrating that is and yet and how trivial it is in the bigger scheme of life, you know, about the regrets of the dying, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure you're familiar with as a nurse since it was written by a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, you know, I think about this in the context of a really young child who probably doesn't really even understand the concept of regret and what I'm really curious about is what is an end of life conversation like with somebody at that age, at somebody that young who hasn't had the experience of life that somebody like you or I've had, mm-hmm. you know, again, it just comes down to listening. Um, when I spent time with Elizabeth who was dying, um, and she was six years old, um, she just wanted to color and draw and she was very, very weak, but that was what she wanted to do. So what most conversations with, um, young people look like at that time are are really just to live as fully as they can live in the moment with whatever amount of energy they have. And so that visit with Elizabeth was so sweet because um, she, uh, we got, you know, she had crayons and paper and she very feebly was able to draw me a picture. And she drew a, uh, she loved to draw fairies. And, um, so she drew me a fairy with two wands and I I remember asking her, uh, you know, Elizabeth, why did you give me two wands? You know, most fairies only have one. And she goes, Oh, 
you need to, <laughs> you know, and I just thought to me, it was so obvious. Like she had a, an awareness somewhere in her little child experience that, you know, I had two sons with cancer. I needed two ones, you know, <laughs> and, um, I, I really think, um, again, it's just that, uh, there's there's moments there's these little moments these little these little gems in conversations with even with healthy children as well but the same is true with dying children and dying people if we um, expose ourselves to those conversations and really look for those 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 lines that just jump out at us um, they can be really transformative for us for the rest of our lives and those little things I look for it all the time now those messages that come through not just with dying people but just in everyday life i i think um i think we have a lot of spiritual help and a lot of spiritual guidance to help us um explore the planet and our life here in a really healthy and joyful way uh-huh. you know so one of the things that's interesting to me is to listen to you talk about this from the perspective of, of somebody dying and this idea of you know living with as much energy as you can in the moment and I think that, you know, when there's death facing us, there's this sort of sense of urgency uh, in, a, in a very sort of powerful and inspirational way. And I'm really curious how you live like that when you're not dying. Mm. Well, you know, it's kind of like um, my husband and I, <laughs> we have really, you know, a kind of a dark sense of humor. And um, like when we go for walks, especially early, pretty early after Justin died and we were both like, you know what, I don't mind if I die. I, I, I got a kid on the other side and he's great and it, you know, changed our perspective. So like when we go for walks, he'd, um, like if I was walking on the outside of the curb, he would take my place, you know, Dave would move to the outside of the curb and he said, well, if any, if either one of us get hit by a car while we're walking, you know, it's going to be me. <laughs> I'm going to take it because, um, you know, I want to get to see Justin first. And it's a, um, it's kind of a, you know, it's a playful way to, handle the reality that um yeah that we all are going to fully die and at the same time to me living like that is fully living um to be able to say you know I'm walking through life and yeah it's a beautiful day and the leaves are crunching under my feet and um birds are singing and um you know I'm waving at my neighbor um I'm going to you know go home and have a cool glass of water and it's going to be great and and at the same time being okay with if I get struck by a car here today now and I'm out then that's okay too um so it, it it's it's a you know joy comes from inside of us and um it comes in a surprising way where but and and I just um I had an experience when uh when Justin died where, um, afterward we, his, his headstone was placed at, um, the, at, at the, where he's buried and, um, at eternal Valley out here in Santa Clarita and, uh, the Dave and the girls could not go see it. They just were not emotionally ready to see it. It had been a few months since he'd been buried and I just couldn't wait to see it cause it really bothered me that his grave was unmarked. So Jacob was just, um, a little toddler and I took him with me. And, 
you know, I went, walked over to his grave signs, very hilly uh, slope. And, and I got on my knees and I was just looking at that marker and seeing his name and the stone and, oh, it was really hard. And I just wept and it was very windy out. And the, my tears were just blowing all over my face and my clothes. And Jacob was just toddling around. Um, and he was kind of collecting items from other graves. Like, you know, people will put a pinwheel or a flag or those kinds of things. And so he'd been, and I looked up and he'd wandered off farther than I wanted him to. And so I, you know, kind of composed myself for a minute and said, Jacob, come back here. And he came running toward me. And because it was a slope, he just was, his little legs were going so fast and he plowed right into me and he dropped all these little trinkets that he had collected. And, um, and he, and he kissed me. He just started kissing my face. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I was, I laughed, I laughed out loud. And so here I was on top of my deceased son, son's grave. And my living little joyful son was kissing me all over. the, And I, and I just, it was that was the first time I had laughed out loud, really laughed out loud, and felt a sense of joy since Justin died. And um, I, again, it was one of those t- moments of awareness that I can have sorrow and joy equally at the same time. At the, we have the capacity of as humans to experience both, and in the most strenuous and stressful of circumstances you can experience both and um and that's how i how i see getting through life now like that's i look for that like okay i'm having a difficult a difficult things coming going on but there there will be this thing come slamming into me that'll bring a joyful moment a joyful awareness and um it works Mm. works for me Mm. I love that. <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. You know, one of the things that you had brought up early in our conversation um, is this idea of of return to innocence, and you know, you had also mentioned making sense of of when bad things happen. And sometimes I think that from the journey of making sense of bad things to happen, we lose our way. Uh, from that return to innocence. And I am wondering how you make that journey so that we get to return to innocence uh, and not come out sort of so, I guess, you know, I don't know what the opposite of innocent here is, but to get back to that place of innocence and and joy and sort of, you know, childlike curiosity and wonder uh, that exists within all of us, I think, before something bad happens. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, when, when, uh, I, I noticed that after, uh, when my grief was really fresh after Justin died, um, and I, I, I really had to evaluate my life, myself, who am I, what do I believe? And again, again, when this kind of tragedy happens, it just cracks you wide open. And I think for me, um, I had to, decide for myself who you know what do I what am I about like why am I here what do I even like and especially for women we tend to be caregivers and um you know we tend to look to the needs of others pretty early on um uh, you know uh, I had a little sister to watch over um um when I got married and it was my husband I had a baby then it's my son and our identity is really wrapped up in taking care of others and especially for those of us who are kind of what I call chronic caregivers like nurses 
we we have a tendency to look outside and serve and because we get a great deal of joy from that but when you're cracked open and you're reevaluating and starting over again and you're feeling that sense of being jaded you know um and disjointed uh i think for me what i did is i looked back in my life and i did a lot of journal writing and i still do a lot of journal writing and i just i wrote down when i was the happiest in my lifetime and um what did i like about that part of my life and i went all the way back to junior high actually was when i had a sense of adventure and discovery and that were all my own it had nothing to do with pleasing anyone else and i liked uh writing i was in the journalism class i liked public speaking i was in the public speaking group and i liked acting and i um was in the drama club um i also liked science and i liked um physical really being physically active i was a gymnast and um so little by little after justin died i started incorporating those things back into my life and intentionally looking for ways to tap back into that so i um took a writing class at our local junior college and um it wasn't even a class i particularly wanted but it was the only one i could fit into my schedule while jacob was on treatment and it was a fiction writing class and um but it got me putting pen to paper among other with other people and sharing it and that was very helpful and that's what ultimately led me to uh writing blood brothers um and in fact a couple of the chapters in um in later classes that i took at our our junior college um it ended up being in my book um they became chapters you know um and then um the uh the other thing was to incorporate um uh movement back into my life and i volunteered to learn how to um dance the cha cha for a fundraiser called dancing with our stars it was out here in santa clarita and i i uh volunteered for an organization that helps kids with cancer and um i was paired with a partner a man who's um a dance teacher and um he taught me how to cha cha and we got all eights in our performance and i had a ball and um but that physical movement felt so good i hadn't done anything like that in a very long time and um uh we became friends and he taught me how to dance all of the major you know the 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 you know fox trot waltz swing salsa all of the dances that you need to know to go so, to go social ballroom dancing and it's like this underground community of people that are ballroom dancing you know pretty much every night of the week um and he introduced me to that and um and so i do i ballroom dance every week um and it's one of the most joyful things i do i love it i it's i do it independently my husband does not like to dance i mean he dances with me here at the house and we'll dance at parties and things like that but the idea of you know like ballroom dancing and partnering like that he's like no nah. he likes to golf so he golfs and i go ballroom dancing and uh it's a it's a great it's so healthy for both of us and um you know so you you go back to what do you what when you look at your you know you sit with yourself and you're like what do i enjoy what what and what feeds my spirit you know what feeds my soul 
And then the other thing that I definitely do on a daily basis is go just sit, I meditate. I have um, I'll, I'll free journal, I'll free write journaling uh, where I try to tap into my spiritual connections, uh, my spiritual self, and really um, those three things are super helpful to me. I um, and, and I can do them anywhere. It is not like I have to. Uh, be in a lesson or in a group those are things that I that's the quiet internal work that I think uh, has to be done to get back to a a state of a a joyful existence and also that innocence because we are all um, spiritually beautiful beings and I don't think we hear that enough and feel that enough Hmm. well Lisa, this has been, let me, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting an echo. I'm going to edit this. Lisa, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, So I'm going to wrap things up with uh, my final question. Uh, What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? (laughs) Authenticity. Hmm. Authenticity. I think uh, we are really good at um, trying to be like everyone else. Um, and feeling a sense of uh, a need to conform. We like community. Uh, and when we get to that point in our life where we're free um, and so full of love and compassion for others that we can be our authentic self without being afraid, um, that to me is unmistakable. I can see that in a person, and I, I, re- I love being around people like that. So, and you know, I guess that's why I like being around kids so much too. Like (laughs) kids are just, you know, they're, 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 they teach us about authenticity, you know, they're goofy (laughs) and I like that. Awesome. Well, Lisa, this has been just phenomenal and uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights with our listeners here at the Unmistakable Creative. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. You've been listening to the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. Visit our website at unmistakablecreative.com and get access to over 400 interviews in our archives. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolves. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.